You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. I want you to think for a second about who are the most important people in your life, the people whose relationships have been most meaningful to you and have had the most impact. Maybe it's your relationship with your parents or your spouse or your kids or your best friend. But I want you to think, what is it that makes that relationship so important? You know, when you're a kid, oftentimes you make a best friend just by proximity. My childhood best friend, we became best friends because we got put at the same table in seventh grade science class. And that friendship luckily has lasted our entire lifetimes, but other friendships kind of come and go. So what makes the difference between a lifelong relationship, one that's gonna stand the test of time, go through all the ups and downs and have a positive impact on your life and those that fall away or break down over time. See, I believe that we as human beings are created in the image of God and we are hardwired to live relationally. But you don't have to look very hard into our culture to know that we're facing an epidemic of loneliness. Everywhere we look, people are hurting. They are disconnected. They are feeling emotionally isolated. And we are facing, tragically, an epidemic of loneliness. So where does this come from? Well, we're in this series called The Thing Beneath the Thing. And we've been talking about the motivations or the reasons or the underlying causes for many of the decisions we make and the ways we live. And the answer to a lot of our questions as to why we do what we do and why we feel the way we do is actually relationships. So much of the emotional pain we experience is the result of relational harm. So many of the decisions that we make are because of our relational history. Relationships make a difference and they shape how we think about the world and how we interact with other people. When you add to all the relational harm and trauma that many of us have experienced over the years, the fact that we've been coming off of a a series of time where we've been isolated, we've been dramatically socially isolated, and that has a negative impact. So it's no wonder between the relational harm that many of us have experienced and the social isolation that we've been forced into that we are facing an epidemic of loneliness. So what solutions do we have? As a culture, how are we gonna grow and move past this loneliness epidemic? Steve Carter in the book, The Thing Beneath the Thing says this, if the church was meant to be a place of fellowship and our world is lonelier than ever, we have to beg the question, why? Why is the church missing the mark to create a community to soothe this loneliness pandemic. The reality is that church should be a solution to the loneliness that we feel, both individually and as a culture as a whole. We should not be experiencing the levels of loneliness that we have been if the church is really a place of deep connection. I love what Mother Teresa says. She says, we belong to each other. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, living the way of Jesus, our lives should be so deeply connected to other people, not that we will never feel lonely or isolated, but that we will know where to go and how to be 
different than the loneliness and the isolation we see and experience in the world. After Jesus left the earth, he died and he rose and ascended into heaven. Uh, He leaves his close followers uh, on earth to establish faith communities, to start the church. And the book of Acts, especially Acts chapter 2, gives us a picture of what these early followers of Jesus did, how they built communities and they gathered in homes and public places and personal spaces. They were at the temple courts and each other's house day to day. Acts chapter 2 tells us that they committed themselves to living relationally. And today we're going to look at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 46. And my hope is that we can learn from the practices that they committed to. And if we begin to live these out in our own lives, we can address the relational harm and hurt that we've seen and experienced and begin to heal the loneliness epidemic that we're having in our culture and in our lives. So Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 46, it says, And they, talking about the early Christians, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Man, this is a beautiful picture of what it looks like to be a community of Jesus followers, living life relationally, committed to each other, and growing in community. For these early Christians, this was their way of life. Their relationships with each other were so critical to their pursuit of Jesus that their growth in Christ and their ability to share with those around them grew as they spent more time together. See, we as believers need to be in spiritually significant relationships with other believers. The Christian faith was not meant to be done alone. It's not a set of ideas that we just belong to or believe. It's a way we live life together. And this is what it means for us to be the church and not just to do the church. So I want to point out five what I would call kingdom habits that we see these early Christians practicing together. The first is what I would call engage. We're told that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. See, many of us, when we think about the Bible, we think about the Bible, we're like, oh, that's an important thing for us to learn in Sunday school or memorize. But what these early Christians, these early Christ followers did, is they devoted themselves to getting deeper and deeper and engaging with what the apostles were teaching them. The apostles were speaking words of truth to them. They were uh, exploring the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament with them. They were telling the stories of who Jesus was. And then when they engaged as a faith community in this, it shaped who they were. See, they didn't treat the Bible like it existed just to give them information and ideas. And the point of studying wasn't just to learn a set of beliefs. Instead, they were invited to participate in the work that God was doing. See, the Bible actually does that. It invites us to experience and engage in the nature 
mission and work of God. It's a collection of stories of how faithful people throughout all of history have learned from God. They've lived with God. They've experienced God's creation. They've gone through crisis. They've listened to God's promises and they've become God's people. And they've restored themselves and their communities in the nature, mission, and work of God. So like the early church, we need to be deeply engaged in the Bible, but not just on our own, in community. The second thing we see them doing is eating. And I love that this is a practice or a kingdom habit. It's no accident that the early followers of Jesus would eat together and share meals in each other's homes. I think there's something amazing that happens, something special that happens when people eat together. When I was a kid, we would have church potlucks all the time. And it was one of my favorite times. And that wasn't just because I liked to eat, which I did. And it wasn't just because the food was amazing, which it was. But you really got to experience other people, to see part of who they were, the things they cherished, their traditions, the way they did things. And you got to, to share that as you broke bread with those people. Breaking bread tears down barriers. It, it allows us to be deeply connected to each other. And you need to find a community of people where you are encouraged to ask good questions, to have great conversations, and to be open and to think about the world through the perspective of other people. And when you eat together, it's a great way to hone those practices. So despite what we often think, eating is a spiritual practice and it's a kingdom habit these early Christians had. Not eating together, not eating alone, but eating together. The third thing that they did is they prayed. And praying isn't just before meals or bedtime, although that's oftentimes how we teach it to kids. Jesus taught his followers how to pray. And prayer was a vital part of the early church's life together. They would come together and share their hearts with each other and then pour out their hearts to God. Practicing the spiritual disciplines of prayer and meditation together were a regular part of kingdom living for these early Christians. It allowed them to recenter and refocus on where their true strength came from. It wasn't from themselves and their own resources, but it was their dependence on God and their bond together as a community. So they would pray. The fourth kingdom habit that we see them having is that the church continually um, shared everything they had in common to the point that they sold their goods to take care of each other's needs. As followers of Jesus, we are called to love others and put their needs ahead of our own needs. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, Paul says this, that we should bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Part of what it means to be in a community of Jesus followers is that we share together, that we care for each other, that we put each other's needs ahead of our own, that we thrive in supportive environments that we create where people are generous with their time, talents, life, and resources. So it's important as a church, as a community of believers, that we learn to share what we have, and some of you may be saying, well, I don't have much to share. I can guarantee you that God can take what little bit you have and do amazing things with it. When you begin to ask yourself, how can I use my resources, my time, my energy, my talent, my money, my, my stuff for God? God can do great things in our community with those resources. 
The fifth thing they did is they served. And, and as we follow God and live out God's mission to bring restoration to the world, we will become more aware of the needs of other people. It's interesting in Matthew 25 when Jesus is talking about what it looks like to be a follower of God that is identified by the Father as one who's approved. He tells a story about someone shepherding and separating sheep from goats. And the sheep are the ones that were blessed by God and accepted by God and welcomed into eternity. And the goats were those who had not lived up to what God had called them to. And this is what it says in verses 35. It tells us the, the behaviors, the practices of the people who were the sheep, who were accepted. He says, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. See, together the church has the ability to make an impact on other people. And Jesus tells us that whatever we do for the least of these, those who are sick, outcast, in need of resources, that what we do for them, we're actually doing for God. And the early church, they shared their resources with each other, but they also came alongside each other and they got to work. And they asked themselves, where is God moving in our community, in our neighborhoods, in our cities, in our towns, in our villages? How can we follow God on mission and live out the things that God has called us to do? They worked collaboratively. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 describes the church as the body of Christ, as hands and feet and different body parts that come together to do the work of God's kingdom. And one way we practice kingdom living is to find regular ways to serve our neighbors, serve around our city and around our globe with our brothers and sisters, our family in Christ. So we have these five kingdom habits that the early church engaged in. They engaged with the Bible, they ate together, they prayed with their church family, they shared their resources, they served each other and they served side by side. And when they did these things, they built a community together. And I believe that there really is power in connection, that we were wired to experience relationships. And maybe some of you have experienced relational harm, even from Christians. And what I wanna say first off is I'm sorry that you've gone through that. And secondly, that running away from the community of Christ is not the solution. We are part of the solution by addressing the problems in the body of Christ and working towards healthy solutions. If you're part of Castle Hills Christian Church, we wanna invite you to participate in community to developing relationships with other Christians. You know, it's one thing to show up on a Sunday morning to gather to worship and to listen to a sermon and take the Lord's Supper together. But it's another thing to share life day in and day out with a community of believers. One of the ways we do this as a church is through our practice of life groups. We invite each other into each other's homes. We, we share significant life moments. We break bread together. We practice these kingdom habits as a way to experience a community together with Christ. And if you want to find a church community, a, a small group community, a life group to be part of, we would love to help connect you with one. I recently went on vacation 
in California. And we visited the redwoods. And one of the things that's interesting about the redwoods is these trees are enormous. If you've ever seen pictures, they have some that are so large that they've carved out tunnels where you can drive through. And I wasn't quite where those big redwoods were, but it was still impressive to see how tall and how massive these forests were and these trees were. But what's interesting is you would think that to support a tree that's as tall as these redwoods are, that the roots would have to go down hundreds of feet into the ground, that they would need that kind of strength and depth to connect themselves to the ground and be able to stand tall. But the roots of the redwoods actually only go down 9 to 12 feet. But what's interesting is after they go down like 9 to 12 feet, these roots begin to grow sideways. They grow out. And they grow as long as 100 feet out from the root of the tree, the base of the tree. And they interlock with other redwoods. And if you go into a redwood forest, what you'll notice is that there's strength in the trees, that they're connected. When one tree falls, it actually spawns other trees around it. That there's this long-standing spot of history that's experienced in, in these old ancient trees who have stood the test of time. And their strength comes from their interconnectedness because their, their roots wrap around each other and rely on each other. Individually, a tree would just fall over, but because it's connected to the root system of these other trees, these redwood forests, they stand up against storms and against uh, floods and against fires, and they last the test of time. Their interconnectedness is their strength. Steve Carter says that Christianity is not a solo sport. And I think that too many of us have bought into the idea that we're supposed to be rugged individuals who pave our own path, but Christian community is better than rugged individuality every day of the week. And we learn this from God's commitment to relationship. Jesus loved us so much that he gave up heaven, all the wealth and riches and power that that meant for him, to come live among us, to be with us, Jesus came and lived life as a human among us. We call this the incarnation. His incarnation proves God's commitment to relationships. 